श्री वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए श्री श्री गो नितनंद की जाए श्री श्री राव जी गोपाल की जाए गो भक्त बृंद की जाए गौरी प्रेमानंद So this evening we'll read a little more from what we were reading last night. I don't know if it will um, result in much of a um, discussion per se, but we'll see. And if not, we just open the the um, class to questions of any nature, but following the reading again from last night, we heard that uh, with the slaying of Denikasura, then the Purvarag of Radha and Krishna manifest. Again, Rupa Goswami refers to this period as Vyasandi, the joining of Pogonda and Kishore ages. With the prominence of Krishna's adolescence, Balaram's presence becomes less pronounced, and as we have seen, Krishna finds reason at midday to separate from the greater group of cowards and meet with the gopis along with his intimate friends before returning to the group and heading homeward, a typical day which was explained in previous chapters. But, before such midday romanticism manifests, at this point, we find Krishna and company returning home from the slaying of Denukasura as Krishna's lotus eyes meet those of the gopis, where the forest meets the pasture and the village begins. Thus, it is during this period that the feelings of separation and Purvarag between Radha and Krishna begin to manifest in earnest, and their parakya lila emerges like a smoldering volcano from within, spewing lava that falls somewhere in between the domestication of Krishna and the rebellion of Radha. As mentioned in chapter 6 of this canto, it is also at this point in his kirtan, but Sukadev attains Surup City and Gopi Bhav, exemplifying the power of the Bhagwat's sacred narrative. We mentioned that last night. I was commenting to Gorsundar on my walk back to my cottage last night how I have have mixed feelings at best about the often uh, portrayed leelas of Krishna in animation, coloring books, and so forth for children, which, as I say, makes it's good for the kids, but it's not good if that's all the adults get out of it. <laughs> It's all they've understood that's good for kids should hear about Krishna because we see 
example, relative to the reading, what happened to Sukadev. Sukadev is uh, described by Rupa Goswami and his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu as that paradigmatic person who exemplifies the efficacy of kirtan, of the different angas of Navalakshan Bhakti enunciated by Prahlad. There are nine. Navalakshan means nine. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Bandhanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani Vedanam. These are all very, very powerful angas of bhakti. They are understood to be, in Jiva Goswami's terms, examples of Swarup Siddha Bhakti. Means not Rup Siddha Bhakti, something that becomes bhakti by designation, not um, Sangha Siddha Bhakti, it becomes bhakti by mixing it with bhakti, but inherently bhakti, and therefore they have inherent power in them that is such that by engaging in them, for example, kirtan, knowingly or unknowingly, there will be benefit, just like knowingly or unknowingly, if you touch fire, you will be burnt. Of course, that should not be used as an excuse for not chanting with all of your emotions. We talked about employing material emotion in uh, in the stage of sadhana bhakti before spiritual emotion actually arises. Um, do it with feeling and with intention and so forth. Indeed, such statements about the efficacy of these uh, angas of bhakti that constitute sarup siddha bhakti statements about uh, them which illustrate their inherent power like the famous story in the Purana of the rat in the temple hmm, who went after the ghee lamp hmm, and he got a wick, wasn't it? Stuck on his nose. His his whiskers caught on fire. Yeah, he's trying to drink the ghee. The, the lamp was there, and the whiskers caught on fire. And he started moving his head like this. And Krishna accepted it as arati, and so he said to be liberated. Um, but <laughs> while these statements speak about the inherent power of such angas of bhakti. They are also expressed within the context of the logic, the nyaya of, I forget the Sanskrit term for it, but the kind of the what to speak of, not to speak of logic. I don't know if those are actually English, what to speak of, not to speak of, and Prabhupada would say that repeatedly. I don't know if it's really said in English, is it? Okay, our English expert. Thank you for the, that. But at any rate, the, the the logic of it is that, well, if by a rat doing it unconsciously, it has power, then what to speak of the power of chanting with intention and with feeling? Intention can come from uh, learning the tattva, getting a proper orientation. Hmm? Um, 
and with intention over time then real feeling will come whatever feeling we have in the meantime even materially speak so to speak we the Bhakti Vinod speaks of it like uh, uh, superimposing, we can superimpose the, our intention over our chanting, for example, hmm? um, before the actual feeling that corresponds with the intention. Like, I want to be Krishna's friend. Hmm? My guru has given me this mantra. Uh, uh, may I, uh, by which chanting I can. My ideal is to attain um, residence in in Braj. Could be this is Jiva Goswami's explanation of the, uh, the spirit behind the chanting, for example, of Gopal Mantra, hmm. which could be fine-tuned with specificity as well. Um, But that is an intention for a particular feeling. Before the feeling's actually there, I forget the term, but it's kind of like superimposed or think about the feeling <laughs> the best you can, something like that, and chant with that intention. So this kind of, um, maybe we want to say conscious participation in these angas of bhakti, what to speak of the result you will get and that is the idea so those examples are not there of rats and other animals engaging in Srupa Bhakti and getting extraordinary results those are not to be taken as excuses for not applying oneself and and, um, and after all the external practices that we engage in have in the interim a purpose or goal of of capturing us internally the internal organ of the mind is central to what yoga is about and the capturing of it so through our senses we may engage for example in archan or in chanting hearing and so forth but the uh, the purpose of this in the interim is to by which we capture the mind so if we chant or practice with intention which will also be facilitated by creating an environment that's conducive for that, and so on and so forth. Then external bhakti leads to internal um, bhakti. And so, uh, among these powerful angas of bhakti, kirtan, of course, reigns supreme in, in, in Kali Yuga. And Rupa Goswami, in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he gives examples of persons from the Bhagavat who became perfect by executing different angas. Parikshit became perfect by Shravanam. Hmm? Prahlad by Smaranam, for example. Prithu Maharaj uh, by... Um, uh, is it Prithu or Ambarish? Prithu. Archanam. Hmm? Ambarish also. Arjuna, maybe Ambrish by Dasyam, so on and so forth. Arjuna by Sakya. So, among them, Kirtan, uh, perfection in Bhakti was attained through Kirtan by Sukadev. So, reciting the Puranas is a form of Kirtan. 
reciting the Bhagavad Purana in, in particular. Hmm. Um, so we are awed by the power of the sacred narrative which is uh, exemplified in the person of Sugadev both at this point and at the very onset of his uh, leaving the forest and returning unbeknownst to him to the hermitage of Vyas he left the hermitage of Vyas to get away from Maya and the world but Vyas as we know sent the woodcutter with the verses from the Bhagavatam to recite while cutting wood in the hopes that his son would hear them and it would he would experience an epiphany as to the uh, trans post liberated I should say status of of uh, Krishna Bhakti and Krishna Lila. So we heard some verses, Sugadev, he had a pure heart, so those verses, that hearing, didn't require that Bhakti enter his heart and cleanse it. Hmm? was already cleansed by Gyan, which is, which is possible, hmm? or by, let's say, Nishkam Karma, typically heart is cleansed and Gyan comes. Of course, Sugadev was exceptional and, uh, anyway, uh, self-realized in the womb, so he had a pure heart. So the efficacy of the um, uh, hearing about Krishna Leela in, in relation to a pure heart will be uh, more rapid than if Nam, or maybe the case, uh, has to enter the heart and purify it first. Sometimes we say like an interior decorator who comes to your house and says get rid of this, throw this out, throw that out. And you're thinking, I thought you came to decorate the place, not to throw things out. But First get rid of the things that aren't aren't beautiful. And then cleanse it entirely, then we'll replace those things. So <clears throat> Kirtan begins with Cheta Darbana Marjan, but his Cheta was already marginal already cleansed. So he followed the sounds and ended up back at his father's place and there he became a student of the Bhagavatam. It's a big question of the Bhagavatam. Why did Sukadev, who was self-realized, take the trouble to study a book like the Bhagavatam? And the answer is, such is the nature of the qualities of Hari, Itam Buddha, Guno Hari. That even transcendentalists, self-realized persons, will find them attractive. In relation to Kishore Krishna's question about um, something he thought he'd heard, probably in, in, had not misunderstood it, but he thought he heard Sridhar say that even if Krishna Leela is not real, I, I like it anyway, or something like that, which is fine uh, to say, but I didn't think he said it. Um, and I made a comment that, that Shankar thought that weren't, it wasn't real, ultimately, because his theory is that that, uh, that only Brahman is real, and Brahman is still and undifferentiated and so forth. And so he didn't believe that they were real, but he, he made a statement that he would like to retire on the banks of the Jamun and Vrindavan and just remember the, the sweet Leelas 
of Krishna. Hmm? It is said in the school of the Advaitas, in which bhakti is prominent. There are four moths established by Shankaracharya, and one of them, perhaps the Puri moth, is um, it has uh, added, so to speak, bhakti to their practice. Hmm? Influenced by the power and ethics of bhakti, they incorporate bhakti in order to get their ideal of what we would call soyuja. Hmm. Out of that school, there are some extraordinary persons that have come. One is Sridhar Swami, the famous commentator on the Bhagavatam. He's listed in the, in the records there as being the head of the moth at one time in Jagannath Puri, head of the monastery at Waitin. Uh, of course, he came out of that and wrote a commentary on the Bhagavatam that the Advaitins questioned because of the um, the bhakti in there did not conform with their understanding of how bhakti could be mixed with gyan to be efficacious and so forth. So he had a, a conversion. This is Jiva Goswami's opinion. And then he wrote a commentary in the Bhagavatam baiting the other Advaitins with Advaitin language to draw them in. And, for example, in his commentary in the Bhagavatam, there is considerable emphasis on the Sarup Shakti. What is Sarup Shakti in Advaita Vedanta? Right? It has really no, 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 no place. So, um, there are. Uh, it's it's possible that 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 Madhavendra came from that moth also. Hmm? Um, what about Brahmananda Bharati, Keshava, Keshava Puri, Keshava? Bharati also, the nine sannyasi roots of the metaphoric tree of love of God that is that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu and waited to I guess <laughs> and the flowers and fruits are branches of so many devotees and so forth. So the roots of that there are nine sannyasis they're all older than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who was only just a young boy, 20, 24 years old. Imagine, he was just 24 years old, he took sannyasa, and he was schooling Brahmananda Bharati. Schooled him by his, by his silent disapproval. Brahmananda Bharati was robed in, in deerskin, which is, uh, which was a, um, Mahaprabhu felt it was it was a way of showing off his austerities, renunciation, and so forth. Um, and Ramananda Bharti could feel it and, and he changed his clothes. Mm. Um, which is an interesting point as an aside. Also, the other day I was talking about this and answering a question about wearing of silk might have heard that some devotees had because silkworms, I guess, don't survive uh, in the process. And so 
the place of Ahimsa in Bhakti. And uh, Jiva Goswami addresses it in Bhakti Sandarbha, <coughs> citing the Bhagavatam. Na, na ati imsena. Bhagavatam says one should not ati too much himsa. One should not engage in too much violence. So this is a very different notion than the ahimsa, for example, of the Jains. What is central to the Jain community is ahimsa. The way in which what is central to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Kirtan. Sankirtan. So don't turn <laughs> Sankirtan into ahimsa hmm? and become a Jain. Hmm? Um, so this is a whole different perspective and a whole different world is involved here. Bringing in Swarup Bhakti in the form of Sankirtan. This is the central focus. And what effect does this have? And so forth. And in the context of that, not too much violence. So it's a way the Vaishnavas are saying, we don't wear a mask on our face to, like the Jains to avoid inhaling microbes and microscopic germs and killing them in the process. There's just no getting away from from that. We live in the world, we take of it um, and tread uh, gently hmm, on the world. We take what, what, what little is required for our execution of, of bhakti, which has a um, dividend, if you will, for aspects of the world that then have, have been thus employed. So we will look at the example of the previous charges and so forth. We will see, well, Krishna wore silks. So he's already been determined. Uh, Vaishnavas did sit on, on, on deer skins or tiger skins. I think it's mentioned in the Gita and so forth. So there's even a place for hunting. Not like today. Hmm? that you have uh, but in a particular world and in, in even in, in terms of forestry hmm? maintaining the forest and so forth and humans having some role in keeping the balance and whatnot. Um, so how do we get to that um, um, You know, it's back a few, few paragraphs back, but, um, but uh, at any rate, central to our practice is uh, is, uh, is 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 kirtan. We're talking about what Sridhar Swami and um, the um, sannyas. Right, the nine sannyasis, and Brahman of the Bari was wearing the deer skin, and he took it off because he understood Mahaprabhu wasn't wasn't pleased with that. Hmm? Uh, not because it was a deer skin, but because again it was a way of saying in Mahaprabhu's estimation, just see how renounced I am. I only wear deer skin. Hmm. 
So, um, at any rate, out of that moth, hmm, some sannyasis came who became great Gaudiya Vaishnavas. These nine roots, it's, to, oh, it's, it's a way of saying that the tree of bhakti that has the fruits of prem, it's it's rooted not it's rooted in the in 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 going within rather than going without let's put it like that in a kind of vairagya in the in in the, in the detachment not that vairagya detachment is an anga of bhakti but we have attachment in detachment in the context of bhakti which we forego that which is not favorable for Krishna Bhakti, embrace that which is, and so forth. So, um, so at any rate, some great sannyasis have come out of that, and in um, uh, even among those who have not come from there, that moth, for example, and then converted, examples of which I'm. I'm giving. There are those who remained at Waitens, but nonetheless really relished the leelas of Krishna, like Shankar himself spoke about. Madhusudan Saraswati is an example. So their idea is that in the stage of Jivan Mukta, when one becomes liberated in this life, in as much as their Parabdha karma is just playing itself out and winding down and finishing and they're not reacting to it and perpetuating it hmm? anymore hmm? in that stage then the these kinds of Advaitans they like Madhusudan Saraswati who had much appreciation for Bhakti they relish the Leelas of Krishna hmm? internally hmm? How they can do that and then give them up was a great quandary for Dulal Chandra and ideas like that. Because there are statements in the Bhagavatam of yogis meditating on, on Vishnu in the heart and then giving him up, attaining ecstasy like an Abbas, really, from our, uh, in our consideration of Bhava, and then giving up the object. Their, their idea being that that from focusing exclusively on one object, in this case Vishnu, one can gradually detach the mind from any object whatsoever and enter into an objectless, subjectless, absolute, non-dual reality. Can't even call it an experience, because there's no, there's nothing to experience. There's nobody to experience. It's contentless consciousness, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so what to speak of drawing the mind away from the Paramatma and the, the Bhava in this case I would call it an Abhasa Bhava that, that, that comes from that doing that with Krishna Leela it seems very foreign to us isn't it um, but at any rate the power of Krishna Leela this is something that even the Advaitins, from their perspective, have something considerable uh, to, to, to say about. 
uh, it, uh, and they're thought to be very, you know, very philosophical. So not that devotees aren't, we think we take it to another level, but um, so these stories, these myths, these legends, these tales um, that might be entertaining to, Christ- to to children and are good for them to hear and color about and and so on and so forth and put them in front of so that you can go on and do something else. Okay, watch the Krishna story and I'll go do something else. Uh, you could, if that something else is that you're going to go and really dive into the story yourself, then all is well and good. But if but if it comes without thinking about it to be not much more than that to you, then so much you've missed. Hmm? Better you didn't get it in the first place almost than to have not uh, taken advantage which is possible by good association. And we see, the point here is, uh, what happened to Sugadev. Of course, this is the the um, insight of Sanatana Goswami, but um, this particular point here, he's entering into Swarup City, seeing himself now as a resident, a player, a person, in the legal that he's, that he's narrating about, in the narrative itself, the Kirtan has, has brought this about. Hmm? And of course, what Sanatana said, the detail of that in the broader sense has been also stated by Rupa Goswami. And, you know, even without him saying we can understand, yes, he became perfect by Kirtan, which is another nice point, that he became perfect by Kirtan. Um, so, was he worth listening to before that? I think so. And what is the nature of that perfection? Does it have an end? Prem is said to be what full and ever increasing at the same time. So, as Shudamarshu used to like to say, in this school, with this subject, we are all students forever. Never masters, always students. Always, always room for growth. That should be encouraging. So here, Sugadev, this is just. We'll read a little more. You can see how, how understanding the implications of it, how, how powerful of a moment this is in the Bhagavatam for him who has the samskar for. Um, Bhakti in particular. I'll read a little bit more about this this poor Viraga. It's, it's just kind of implied there, and it's it's stated, but you have to be able to draw it out. Jiva uh, Goswami uh, written all his own original entire and long chapter in Gopal Champu. Mostly his chapters are parallel with the Bhagavat chapters, re-explaining them. When it comes to the Purvarag that is related in a, maybe three verses at the on the way home, hmm, describing the the uh, march homeward with the cows and cowards after the slaying of, uh, of Danuka, 
in three verses. He's taken the whole chapter of that Buvarag. Uh, so this is the kind of things that came into into, into Sukadev's um, mind and, and heart when he's and those verses came from his, his lotus mouth. Continuing our humble narrative, we have described the psycho-physical characteristics of Kishore Krishna earlier, that would be in the first canto. But there is no end to the description of his beauty with this development. Among other things, already described, his face developed full cheeks and his hair turned from dark brown to deep black. His eyes flirted and widened with red, with red edges. His chest broadened, his arms thickened, his waist thinned, and his hips widened, while his legs, his legs supporting him solidified. His complexion remained dark, but he appeared golden within. Seeing this contradiction, his two playful eyes followed suit and became reddish, stretching themselves to his ears as if asking them to speak and break his newfound periods of silence. When he did speak, he often gave answers when silence was appropriate, and he was silent when answers were appropriate. He sometimes laughed at subjects worthy of lamentation and frowned at his friends' jokes. When his friends talked about the women of Braj, he often blushed. When he did speak coherently, he took great pleasure in wordplay and intimate conversations with his narmasakas, often praising the forms of the young girls of Golok in front of these friends, and the narmasakas whose hearts were one with his, pointed out what they also knew. The young, this is what they knew. The young gopis are now exhibiting increased power to bewilder. Among them, five or six young girls have become most attractive. Oh, friend, it seems that Cupid has become mad with bliss, giving them his own duty of conquering the world by arming them to conquer you. So speaks the Dharmasaka to Krishna. But enough about the adolescence of Krishna. What about Kishori's tender youth? Let us first relate Krishna's subjective experience of Radha's Vyasandhi, not for the faint of heart, as he shares it with Subal. Following this, we shall speak more objectively about the early adolescent characteristics of Radha and her friends. Krishna to Subal. When the young king of youthfulness enters the kingdom of Radha's body, Radha's beautiful limbs, thinking of making an offering, Greet me with tinkling sounds of a sash of bells, fearing its destruction at my hands because of its lesser qualities. Her waist contracts with three folds of skin. Her chest, with its two ripe fruits, selects a gift adequate for the king. Radha and her friends also developed symptoms of Navakishore, during their Pogunda period, although they were slightly younger than Krishna. Radha's a year or so, just a year younger. From external symptoms, something about their internal emotional life could be discerned, but these symptoms only scratched the surface of that which remained hiding within. 
Physically, they manifested the typical characteristics of young girls reaching puberty, day by day maturing like the waxing moon. But because, along with this development, their eternal internal love for Krishna also manifested, their beauty was indescribable. Radha's luster put gold to shame, even while she radiated a dark hue from deep within her atma in all directions. Because of the monsoon cloud of Krishna, because the monsoon cloud of Krishna had manifested within her heart, her eyes, for no apparent reason, rained in sudden forceful showers, while her soft, delicate body hair stood on end. She sometimes stared blankly, shivered, or appeared stunned. It was as if the outstanding features of the natural world had combined together and entered her physique, diminishing their own status in comparison. The moon weakened as Radha shined brilliantly. Blossoms withered as their flowers erupted on her body. The deep red color of the bimba paled, taking shelter of her lips. At times, at times Radha and the others all felt doomed as their thoughts were fixated on that which would destroy their dharma, embracing Nanda's son breast to chest. Thus they condemned their births in the purest prame. Radha thought, although Krishna is Krishna's beauty is cool and refreshing to everyone, he only burns my heart. May the creator of my body reside in hell. What has contaminated my heart? Thinking of him constantly, I find myself full only of shame. My father is famous among the famed. My mother is chastity among the chaste. Why does my heart seek to destroy their reputation? And all of the above and more manifested in Radha and the gopis even before getting to know Krishna. Bhuvarag manifests in the context of hearing about one another, hearing one another's names, hearing about one another's qualities, seeing a painting of one another, dreaming about one another, seeing one another indirectly from afar, seeing one another up directly up close, and so on. In each case, actual meeting as desired, is not possible while longed for. In the Bhagavad narrative, we are following the gopis Purvarag. In the Bhagavad narrative, we are following, excuse me, the gopis Purvarag is driven by hearing Krishna's flute, hearing his qualities as sung by his gopa friends, and seeing him first at a distance, and ultimately seeing him up close, and exchanging glances with him. However, out of deference to Krishna Nam, the Sankirtan of which is the primary Anga of Rag Bhakti, in that it gives rise to Smarnam, supports its development, and then arises anew out of its mature stage, a mature stage of Smarnam, a word concerning Radha's Purvaraga arising from hearing Krishna's name will be in order before continuing our narrative. Radha, speaking to herself in Purvarag, says, What are these two syllables, Krishna? Which the ear takes as the essence of sweetness among all sounds, which the tongue takes as the product churned from an, ocean, uh, from an ocean of nectar, and which the mind takes as happiness arising from joy in the heart. Who is that youth who constantly appears to me among all dark-complexioned persons? Who is that youth who maintains my life? Wondering about this, I am bewildered. And Hari says as much, 
in Purvarag upon hearing Radhanam. But let us now return to the Bhagavad narrative at hand. On the homeward march of the cowards, after the slaying of Dhenukasura, the Gopas praised the qualities of Ram and Krishna in song, accompanied by his flute. The rambunctious cows rejoiced in knowing that Dhenukasura and his miscreant odd-told ungulates had been destroyed, thus raising an extraordinary amount of precious brajraj, which means the dust of braj, from which the hour of cow dust gets its name. This, then, is what the gopis heard and saw from a distance. The description of his qualities in song, the sound of Krishna's morale, and copious cow dust covering the son who was embarrassed by the brilliance of Ram and Krishna. And, from an elevation high enough to see him from a distance, Radha spoke to her friends as follows. How beautiful is the gate of Krishna, returning from the forest. Subal is on his left, Hali on his right, keeping the cows in front of him, the sons of the cowards dance, clap, and sing about his qualities. As the young herdsmen and the cows neared, Balaram found an excuse to drift to the rear of the procession in order to facilitate the mutual expression of Purvarag between Radha and Krishna. Meanwhile, the natural shyness of Radha did not hold her back because she and her friends and associate milkmaidens all moved to the front row in unison, strength being found in numbers, as if driven by a force beyond themselves. Standing there, first in line to greet Krishna, they did so with stares from unblinking, wide open eyes like lotus flowers reacting to the warmth and light of the new sun, Krishna Surja. Nor was anyone looking at them, all eyes on Mukunda from the vantage point of different bhavas, free from any distraction. But when he stared back, their bashfulness returned, and they smiled coyly and covered their mouths with one hand, drawing their veil over their eyes with the other, even as they continued to see them through their thin, long-to-be bridal veils. In this way, Kishore Krishna became aware of, and certain, excuse me, of the sweetness of his Kishori's love. He accepted their dazzling gaze as an offering, their eyes circling in arati, the length and breadth of his incomparable form again and again, fueled by the oil of Puvarag in their hearts. And none of this went unnoticed by his Naramasakas, whose hearts were one with both Kishore and Kishori. Subal's pair of eyes were dedicated thus. One eye was given to Ram, the other was given to Krishna, while the two together were given to Radha, following the lead of Krishna. <laughs> so, that's a little of the writing. In the last couple of days. So, what there to be explored. Mm. Drawing from different sections, different places. Ujbal Nilmani, Bhaktivasamita Sindhu, Gopal Champo, Nandavandava Champo, and many things also from elsewhere, from within. Any questions? Yes. I gave a lecture on that. To live in the forest. 
Yeah. They break their own vow, yeah. <laughs> they vow every day to let stay in the forest. Yeah. It's a good place to enter. That's where Gopu Kumar found an entry point. Fail what? Well, they don't fail. They'll take the vows again tomorrow. <laughs> there's no, there's no failure. They are just boys. <laughs> boys can't take vows. <laughs> you don't, you don't ask boys to take sannyas. <laughs> especially, especially young, young boys. <laughs> what else? Yeah. And where did you get the idea that Shiva is not Narada's guru? Where? Let's get up on online somewhere. Um, because um, we look at it differently. There is Krishna. He speaks the verses of the Bhagavatam, four verses to Brahma. Brahma speaks them to Narada. Narada speaks them to Vyas. And uh, Narada is the guru of Vyas. So he reiterates in about 12 verses, essentially, what uh, Brahma heard in, in four verses. Sometimes we call it the Narada Bhagavatam. It's in maybe the fifth chant chapter, or fifth or sixth chapter of the first canto. Nard's instructions to to Vyas. Um, so we uh, and uh, excuse me, but Nard is the son of Brahma, also. So we see Nard as a disciple of Brahma and draw our kind of line like that from Krishna to Brahma, Brahma to Nard, Nard to Vyas, Vyas to Madhva in a common era and on down and so forth. But um, there there may be places where Nard venerates uh, Shiva. I don't know exactly what we read. Can you remember? Okay. I mean, there we find in Brahma Bhagavatamrita, he goes to Shiva. Shiva gives him instruction, but he's going to so many people. Um, let's call him Siksha Guru. <laughs> it's not a Siksha Guru. Mm-hmm. Shiva also has some uh, sakiras in his constitution, as explained by Rupa Goswami. So does so does so does Nara, but so does Brahma. Brahma, Chaturmukha Brahma, the Bhagavatam. <laughs> what else? 
Yes. So fast? Why? Why does he mature faster? Um, some boys are like that. It's considered to be a um, an auspicious quality. For example, if a young boy starts showing equalities that you wouldn't expect in him at that age, then he or same goes with a young girl. He or she would stand out in the class as a special boy. Hmm? Um, yeah, he understands more. He can explain. He can articulate. And this becomes like, whoa, I've got a very special son there. Hmm? Very auspicious. So it's not a bad uh, quality. Hmm? And even from the Vatsalia perspective, and the parents think, oh, just see. Although they want to keep him as a child, that he's speaking like an adult is, is very fascinating. It speaks of how special their, their their son is. So he has this quality, and his his his, his friends do for that um, much as, as well. <laughs> so they're all very special. Hmm? Does that answer your question? Uh, you were thinking if he if he if he stayed in Vrindavan. Kishore, typically, typically the the, the Kumar is from from birth to five years old, and then from five to ten is is the boyhood uh, or girlhood, and then from uh, uh, ten to sixteen is adolescence, right? But Krishna left Vrindavan when he was about maybe eleven, eleven and a half. So because he was mature for his age, he left early. That's your your complaint, right? Hmm? You're registering a complaint. <laughs> he left early. He should have stayed till he was till he was sixteen. Hmm. Well, um, he's a special boy. So uh, that said, um, you have to also understand his leaving of Braj uh, serves to illustrate and emphasize that he's always present in Braj more than he is present anywhere else. Hmm? Because the love for him hmm, manifest and expressed in the Braj Basis exceeds in intensity the love for him we see, for example, in Mathura or in Dwarka. So wherever there is love for him, he must be present. The love and the object of love are one and different. So he's present, but invisible. It's kind of like a large scale of the, the macrocosm of the microcosm of the Rasalila. Krishna disappeared from the Rasalila. Is it a bad thing? Hmm? Krishna appears to have left Vrindavan. Is it a bad thing? The gopis complained like you and questioned why he disappeared hmm? after they had left home and risked everything and so forth and uh, they asked him, what, what kind of lover are you? Hmm? 
Are you this, this, this? They cited three types of lovers. Then he came back and said, actually, there's... Well, they, they asked, what kind of lover are you? Then he explained, I'm not this, that, or the other, but I left uh, because by disappearing, it would cause your love to grow. Because if you get a valuable thing, and then you lose it, you can't stop thinking about it. Its value increases. But of course, seeing the measure of their love in separation from him, he was, as the king of love, defeated and dethroned. So he became servant of the gopis. He said, I have to pay your sadhuness, your selfless love, back by becoming a sadhu and broadcasting your glories everywhere. That's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, as he disappeared to increase their love, so he left Vrindavan, Braj, ostensibly to increase the measure of their love that the world might know that he fully resides only in Vrindavan where only that measure of love can be found. So in, in, in this sense, the purpose of his Mathura and Dwarka is all to showcase the, the, the esoteric and theological reality of his presence there. So he's present invisibly there. And sometimes he appears in sporties. Just like when Krishna's herding cows with his friends, right? Well, we've heard how attached the cows are to Krishna, right? But they also have to be cows. So cows tend to wander and are curious if they just like, go herding, but they just never move away from Krishna. Then the leela doesn't play itself out, right? But how could they turn their head from Krishna and, and, and move ahead, so to speak, and wander and have to be gone after, brought back, and so forth? So it's because when they move, then they, they experience the sporty of Krishna's behind him. So, like sporty, like literally in English would mean like an hallucination. Hmm? They have, they have a, this hallucination that he's behind us. You know, the cows will move when you're behind them, move them from behind, not like in front when you call the dog, come cow, not like that. Yeah. <laughs> so they feel, and you know, they can kind of see backwards almost. They just turn their head a little bit. They can get real good hindsight. They see Krishna there, so that therefore they wander at a distance, and then he sees that they're at a distance, and then he makes up the distance, and he he brings them back. And immediately they they return. So um, this is one one example, um, and. Also, he he, he he appears and eats from the what, what Mashyasoda has cooked, and she hallucinates that he's there. And then he writes a letter and says, I'm really there. This is what I ate that day to convince her. And with the gopis also, he sends messages. In Mathura, he started sending these messages. With, uh, with, with the, he, he relied on his sakas to um, soften the, the blow of his separation 
has experienced in Vatsalya and Dasya and um, Madhurya Rasa. Mm -hmm. They went with him and then they had to return and bear the bearers of messages that sought to pacify, attempted to pacify them. And this was the principal um, uh, tactic or of, of Krishna that he employed that I appear there as hallucinations of myself but, they're, but I'm actually there hmm. so, there's a hidden Vrindavan within Vrindavan those have eyes can see it so he leaves there apparently but he's actually there you know this thing, but it's good to talk about. Yes, mm, sure. And Mahaprabhu explained this uh, to uh, Kal Krishnadas. Kal Krishnadas, uh, was it Kal Krishnadas? Maybe not. To someone. Hmm? To tell Sachi. Who did he tell? Tell Sachi that when she made those kachoris, I ate them. Hmm? I was there. She saw that they were eaten. She thought Kirsten said eaten, and Mahabra would eat. And said, no, that can't be. Something happened. So he sent messages. Maybe it was with the, maybe in the Shringa Brahmachari, I think. One of his associates. Tell Sachi, by the way, that I am there. And those aren't hallucinations. One example. Sriman Mahaprabhu Kejai. Sachi Mata Kejai. What's the time? Okay, so we'll stop there. Go with Bhakti Go with